0: So this weekend, I am planning to go out for actually my first five-mile run in a while. Now, Alisa, I know you and I had talked about when you do things like that, you're always like, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs>
1: yes, that's my inner dialogue. And I don't care if it ever changes.
0: <laughs> and I'm talking about it because I just started running again. I took a long break and decided to just chill and not do any exercise. And I started running again. I was thinking about yesterday, Lisa, because it's hot as hell in Texas. And I was on um, like mile two and I was doing three and I'm, and I'm saying, you got this, you can do it. And I kept hearing you in my head. I hate this. I hate this.
1: (laughs) Oh no. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no.
0: And and I'm like, I have to tell Elisa about that. Like, what is the one thing that you want to do and you want to love it, but it's just, it's hard. It's hard. Mm. So I'm trying to convince myself. I don't know if any of you, is there something that you really want to get good at? Or you want to do because you know, it's good for you, but it's just hard. Everything? That-
2: <laughs> <laughs> I-, I don't know if there's anything that comes easy to me, you guys. Yeah. I-, I, don't, I don't think what? there is. That cannot be true.
0: I think like- cooking does. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. cooking does.
2: Yeah, cooking does. Yeah.
0: And if it doesn't, you sure do a good job about it
1: yeah we had a whole (laughs) call where rosa made was like braiding pretzels oh no oh that's awesome well we're having a strategy call (laughs) yes
0: multi-tester (laughs) (laughs) so welcome to what rules podcast where we outsmart the game to advance our career i'm dr mirati Simeon, hr executive and motivational speaker with me today are my co-host alisa Manjares a vision producer and executive coach at The Happy Cactus, and Rosa Santos, a talent management executive and leadership expert. And today, we're talking about getting comfortable in our own skin and overcoming self-doubt. Our guest today is a successful CEO, speaker, and author who certainly knows about this journey.
3: Well, I'm Elizabeth Colon and I am the president of metaphrasis Language and Cultural Solutions An interpreting and translation company located here in Chicago, and we partner up with the businesses to provide high quality on-site interpreter services, as well as document translations. I've been in business since 2007, and it's been a great journey trying to help people who struggle with communication in English and to be able to provide them with access to someone who can kind of do it through the channels, right? Be their voice has been an amazing journey for me.
1: I love that your career is built on helping other people have a voice through something as basic as communication. It's something we all take for granted.
3: I have parents who don't speak English, and I'm sure that many of us here probably experience the same thing. And I also have two sisters who are from the, the death community. So I saw that, a lot of that growing up, right, kind of disparities, close out from the world. And you're right. It's simple. It's language, right? It's communication. But when you can't hear you're completely locked out. When you don't understand, you're also locked out. So it was very eye-opening for me as a little girl, having to travel with my parents to, to translate for them and then seeing my sister struggle in school. And I found my passion to want to do this when I actually started working in the in a hospital. I went into healthcare and I saw the same thing again. And I was like, oh my God, this is a repeat of what I went through when I was a little girl. And I was like, no, I'm going to fix this problem. Wow. Talk about having
1: an understanding of not feeling like you belong, or not feeling comfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. It's funny, as I look back on all the changes that I've made in my career, especially within company or outside to go to another company, I've kind of never felt like an outsider. I felt probably everybody mm-hmm. else told me as an outsider, But I actually felt that my mandate was there to go and change things, right, and and to move things forward. But there was one time, and the reason why it was so strange for me, it's because I was moving into a new company and into a new country, back to Spain. I was so excited about it, (laughs) and I thought, I've got this, because I know everything about Spain and... (laughs) You know, these are my people and I get to Madrid, I get to this company and I've never felt more like an outsider Mm. in that moment. And more specifically, I've never felt so incapable of making friends. Mm. I felt ever so lonely in that massive town or city that Madrid is. And I felt, I truly felt that I did not belong Even though I had an idea and I felt that I was going to be, you know, these are my people, this is my country, this is, you know, this is where I was born, I speak the language, I understand the customs. I think I was going into it with a very specific idea or mindset of what things were going to be like. And it didn't turn out to be that way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether it was, when you think about that, I felt as an outsider. I don't know. I felt an outsider because the idea of what what it was to belong was different and he didn't he didn't turn out to be that way.
1: So what happened? I mean you left, I guess. What happened? I moved to the US (laughs) (laughs) I came
2: back to the US. I'm going to another country. (laughs) I'm leaving. Forget
0: this. (laughs) Forget my people.
2: Yeah. No, it was hard. It was hard. It was disappointing. It was at the core, I think for me was Again, thinking about my culture, I don't know, really, truly trying to, as I said, belong and make friends and be part of some, you know, be part of the community there. And it just did not, I was not able to. The effort was too big, yeah. you know, to feel included, let's put it that way. And that's that's why I always felt, even at work, I always felt that people forgot that I was new I think everybody thought that because I was, you know, spoke the language and had been born there, etc., that I had my own network of folks and that I had my life sorted and it wasn't the case. So mm. it was a very lonely time in my life. I have to say I was very miserable.
0: I, I don't remember if I talked about this before, but from a personal perspective, I remember I have little kids, I have a five-year-old and in daycare, they do a lot of stuff. Right, that they invite the parents all the time. And in my job, I travel probably more than 50% of the time. So I wouldn't always make the little mom and donuts (laughs) or the little, you know, (laughs) Valentine's, whatever cupcakes. Uh, And I remember being excited because I was in town one time and they had one of these little events and going there. And the mothers that were there made me feel like an outsider made me feel like I didn't belong, including one of them said, Oh, are you the mom to one of the children's? Cause we never see you here. Wow. Right now to me, that was just so uncalled for, <laughs> but it really made me feel like, wow, am I not a good mother? Right. And it, they automatically excluded me instead of saying, wow, she's probably taking the time to be here with, with her child. So you don't have to go to another country to sometimes feel like an outsider.
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. But see, for that, Mirari, for me, because I knew that when Lara was in school, he was little, I just up front, I just said, you know, I would, I have no, I had no problem, <laughs> I had no problem with going to the supermarket, getting all the cupcakes already made. And put the label, it's like I didn't make them. <laughs> oh. smart. <laughs> store bought. <laughs> so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have any problem with that. For me, it was more <laughs> I think what made it so unsufferable is it's again, because I think it was it was it was something that I worked really hard at and I thought that it was going to be easy. I thought it was going to be easy because I I, I I thought I got it. That's what makes
1: it worse. Because you're like, I don't have to yeah. worry. And then you're kind of blindsided. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: How hard is it to just show up at your kid's thing, right? I'm like,
1: hey, right. mom's here.
0: <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> it's true.
3: I remember watching my two sisters, right? They wouldn't interact with us because they couldn't hear us and we couldn't hear them. And we didn't understand that we didn't have to yell because they were reading lips. We had to learn and we learned how to just speak to them normally, looking that thumb straight in the eyes so that they can watch our lips and then be able to respond, right? And then today in society as adults, you know, they, they're both married, they have kids, but you can see the difference between their behavior and ours. And it is because they got cheated no one recognized that they were hard of hearing instead they kept on saying that they didn't want to be participatory in class or they didn't want to raise their hands and no one took initiative to say listen you know what there may be a problem here and so they went up to about eighth grade not being able to participate in school until one teacher finally recognized that there was something wrong and then they took one of my sisters and put her in another school that actually specialized and offer ASL. And the other one, she went all through high school without any help.
2: Wow. Talk about resilience as well. Tell us a little bit about resiliency and how that's helped you to be where you're at right now and what you're doing, because you're definitely impacting the community in an incredible way.
3: Resilience. Well, you know, I think that came in last year. (laughs) Oh my God, with COVID. (laughs) I'm an entrepreneur, right. And, and I think in the face of adversity, regardless of what that looks like for you always have to figure out what's the next thing for you, because otherwise you throw in the hat and you, you know, and you walk away and then you question is, is it my fault? Who do I blame? You know, in my situation last year, I had eight employees, eight full-time employees, 200 plus interpreters in Chicago. And within 24 hours, I lost my entire business.
1: Oh, my goodness. Everything
3: went into a shelter in place. And of course, you know, fear sets in. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I kept on getting one call after another, cancel, 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 because we couldn't go into the facilities anymore. You know, I was scared. And then I just kind of sat with it. I'm like, what am I going to do? And you, right, I had to let go of my entire staff. And then I say, like, well, you know when I opened my business I did it by myself, so why can't I do it again by myself, right? (laughs) And I was like, I got this. And then, you know, resiliency came in. I'm like, I'm going to do this all over again. And so I looked at my entire business, like I had just opened my doors and I don't have really any business. And so I'm going to work on my processes (laughs) and my policies. And sort of that's what I did. And then I got re-energized and found that grit and... Slowly, when things started to open, I hired one person and I brought the other one. So now I'm up to three.
1: Congratulations. That's huge. Yes.
3: And my team were amazing. You know, one said, I'll volunteer and do your billing because I completely forgot how to do that. And then the other one (laughs) says, well, I'll help answering phones, right? I learned that through that journey of um, everything crashing for all of us in the world, we had to remain resilient. And those who really got scared and were fearful of the outcome were the ones that I think ended up paying a bigger price at the end.
2: Elizabeth, where do you think that comes? I mean, your ability to continue to remain optimistic and pull off of that, what I call the resiliency muscle. Where do you think it comes from?
3: My husband asked me one morning, he's like, when are you gonna throw in the hat? I was like, to COVID? I'm like, no, (laughs) COVID's not winning. If I close, it's gonna be for any other reason than a pandemic, right? And it comes from my journey as a child living in poverty, right? A single mother of six being in the line, in the food pantry, asking people for help, not dreaming big as a little girl, not knowing what could be for me. And one day I just, you know, I quit my job and I only have $500 in the bank. And I said, I'm going to start my business and I'm, and I'm going to jump into it with faith and I did it right. And I grew really fast and for me to just let it all go like that wasn't an option for me. Right. And because I saw the struggles that we went through growing up and I worked so hard to create the business that I had, giving employment to other people, serving the limited English proficient, the immigrants, the refugees, people from our community. I owed it to them to just stay there and work through it. And, you know, I, I did Zooms with my interpreters and I listened to them, you know, cause we were all suffering. I'm like, let's just hop on a call and talk about it. They said no other company had done that
2: because well, I care
3: that much about them, right? They were part of my family. I'm not successful because of me, right? It's not me. It's them who every day they go out there and they represent my company. So I I felt like when I had to let go my entire fa- uh, my my entire team and my interpreters didn't have any work, that burden fell on me too. I think your, your upbringing, your experiences in life really defines how you react to situations on a daily basis it was just amazing it was just like a story I I think when I think about it like this is crazy that we're still here and people like your business is still running like yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's so inspiring to hear and one of the things that we talk about here quite a bit is about think it right think it create it and make it happen right Figure it out later.
0: <laughs> so Elizabeth, what do you do when self-doubt sets in? Because yeah. it happens to all of us and people may manage it different ways. Well, like I mentioned, right, growing up without dreams,
3: mm-hmm. um, living in poverty was a beat downer, right? For many of us, you don't have that confidence that you should have when you're growing up, when you experience something like that. I wasn't someone who liked high school. I didn't, I didn't go to college right away. So I lacked a lot of confidence and self-esteem. Opening my business was an opportunity for me to kind of show myself what I could do and what my potential was, right? I worked really long hours and within three years, we were a seven-figure business and people were saying, oh my God, this girl is a you know, a powerhouse and she's this and she's that, right? You know, I wanted to continue to grow, but I wanted to find resources that would help me get there. And so I participated in a program called the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business back in 2012. And I was the first cohort, and I'm proud to say that I'm first in many things. And that actually kind of eliminated that self-doubt that I had. But when we finished, they, they emphasized the importance of networking, finding an organization where you can engage with other women business owners and continuing your your growth, right? And so I came across this organization called the National Association of Women's Business Owners, and it's called NOVEL. And there's over 50 chapters in the United States, and I belong to the Chicago chapter. And I remember joining, I was really, like really excited <laughs> that I had joined this organization. And I was like, la la la, right? So I go to my first event. I walk in and I'm like, you know, I look to my left and I look to my right. So I'm scanning the room and no one looks like me. No one. Mm. And I was like, I don't belong here. This is not for me. These women are more powerful than me. They have more money than me. They, they're better than me. Like all these things. Like I felt like, you know, like in a movie and your head's like in kind a of spinning, and you just freeze because you don't know what to do. So I was just there like, and I ran out. I literally ran out of there and I laughed and I was like, no, no, you know, <laughs> so, no. And then I started to reflect on it. I said, wait a minute. I said, I don't know those women. They don't know me. I don't even know their revenue size. For all I know, knows, you know, it's someone who had just started, right? So I just kind of started to talk to myself. I'm like, Elizabeth, you need to go back. You have a success story, right? You overcame many adversities. You belong there. It's kind of weird, but when I was became very successful in my community, like Latinos, you know, this, you're powerful. They actually said, you know, you're like a little badass, you know? I took that and created an imposter syndrome. So I would walk into places very serious, and, and this line here, uh, you know, I have these little <laughs> 11s, what they call it, I honestly think that is because I was trying too hard and I wasn't being myself. Because I noticed that when I left those places, I was exhausted. My energy was completely gone. And then when I went back to Navajo, I said, I'm going to just be myself. I'm going to pull off those layers. I'm going to release this imposter syndrome because I don't have to compete with anyone. I am who I am, Right. And I believe that I can contribute to this organization. And so that's what I did. I went back, I met amazing women. And interesting enough, when I had a conversation with many of them, they all felt the same way that I did when they walked in. So it has nothing to do with their color of our skin. It's just the way we feel when we walk into the room. So that was my first big lesson about self-doubt. Like, let it go. You don't know what the other person has or doesn't have or what they've gone through, right? You could be that one person that will meet someone and make a difference in their lives. And if you go in fully knowing that, you may not know all the answers because I don't always have the answers and I am not afraid to say, I don't know. If you could just be your true authentic self and start with a small conversation, it's amazing how how far it'll take you, right? I ended up joining the board in 2015. I wanted to see what board experience I could get. I was then asked if I wanted to be president then and I was like, no, not me. I'm not qualified. Here I go again, right? <laughs>
1: I remember you telling me about that. And it's interesting that you say like everyone thought you were so great and you're like, Well, but that's not really true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was me. I'm like, no. You know, and I and I didn't. I didn't take that opportunity. And I guess things happen for a reason. And when it's time, it's your time, right? I became more active again. And then I became the first Latina president of NABO Chicago last year. Congrats.
1: And I am a great
3: leader. <laughs> I turned the organization around because I have a contribution and I contribute. And they asked me to do a second year, which is not the norm. Presidents only do one year. And I have a full board, which we didn't have before. We're the largest chapter in the US. We have grown the most members. We've been doing great things. And I'm often told it's the way I lead. And it's all leading from the heart. And it's all about relationships and being your true authentic self.
1: We can end the podcast right now. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Done.
0: Mic drop. That's all we need. Uh, It's a wrap. (laughs) When I used to be in network events, it wasn't until I really started seeing being a Latina as a superpower or having a story of resiliency because of where I came from, being a superpower, until I saw that as my strength Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was able to really beat a lot of those self-doubts because when I walked in the room, I'm bringing myself, right? I'm bringing a Latina with a story that is probably doesn't resonate with a lot of people in the room. You know, it's not the gone to this amazing colleges and all these great things. So every time somebody would say, well, what do you do? Or what do your parents do? I was always like shrink, like, oh, I don't want people to ask me this. I don't want them to, you know, and then my accent's going to come out. So it wasn't until I started looking at myself and bringing my whole self to your point as I am a Latina, I'm proud to be it. I'm proud for what I had to go through because I probably wouldn't be here today. It makes me the, the person who I am today. So it wasn't until then that I was able to overcome a lot of those self doubts. I would say overcome probably 90% of them because one of the big ones was being a Latina in a place where I was the only one. Now I look at it as it is a strength to be, the only at the table. And it's what I do with that. Yeah, I love that. It's
2: a little bit about mindset on the one hand, that inner voice that you both, Alisa and Miraria, were talking about at the top of the episode. Our bad example of what not to say when you're running. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, that's right. Well, it wasn't that bad. Um, It it, it really is how you you tame that voice, how you tame that inner voice to really change that mindset that Mm -hmm. yes, And I think we're all here are either the first to something or the only in something, right? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's easier to fall into this more of a victimized kind of mindset rather than what you just said, Mirari. That it's Mm -hmm. about, like, wow, that's such a strength because I am the one who can only see things through these lenses. That's right. You guys,
1: I have an example too. This is embarrassing, but I was thinking about how
0: I've (laughs) just told the whole world right now. Just share it.
1: Okay, so I gained like over twenty pounds over COVID. Okay, and I mean I'm not proud of it. I'm not really working on. We all did. Yeah, (laughs) I was gonna (laughs) say we all did.
0: Okay. Good thing about that is you can lose it. Except Mirari.
1: (laughs) But okay, but this is the thought that I had the other day. I was like, wow, how cool that like I'm still alive and like my body is still here and like I can handle another thirty. I mean, I don't want to handle another thirty pounds. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, this is cool. How I can just like handle it, you know, and I can yes. still like have my friends and I can still help because I think that my other work on myself and like growth mindset and reframing reality and looking at the positive, like, I feel like if that is seeped into. One of the areas of my life where I'm probably the most insecure, then like, there's some work that that's work is happening, yes. right? Like something is going to change there. And that is what you need to improve and grow and change. You have to have that positive mindset knowing like, okay, I'm strong. Like, wow, my muscles right. can her- can carry all this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i love it <laughs> yes that is definitely very true i say it like you lisa i'm like i'm happy with my body you know it is what it is it chama palante we just keep on if i lose it i lose it if i don't i don't because right i'm still here today and yeah i love that too because i think a lot a lot of people were like oh my god i lost all i gained all this weight and it's hard you know they look at me and i'm like love it love it girl love it
1: <laughs> i know even my doctor was like you're fine everyone everyone's in the same boat yeah
2: it's also about the realization, I'm using the analogy, that you actually have gained weight, right, i.e. that you are that one that different, that, that one that actually has a, that superpower of maybe thinking differently or has an experience that can be put to work in a different way. And then really doing that work to own self-awareness and understanding, right, So then you can change and reframe, as you say, Alisa, reframe your own reality and positioning and talk about it, not just in a different way, but in a powerful way, right? Because it's about how you harness that inner power. And when you show up at places like what you're saying, Elizabeth, right? Like, yeah, I am going to own it. I am going to own Mm -hmm. who I am, what I bring to the table And then I am going to speak to it in that way. And that makes me powerful, right? I am in control of the narrative. And sometimes we forget, we make a different narrative in our heads based on what you think others are projected onto Mm -hmm. you.
3: And I think we have a belief that, you know, our past, our accent, right? Our culture, it's not a positive, right? And, And then people see all of us, right? And they're like, wow, she's successful. Oh, Elizabeth, she has to own a company. You have it all, right? Nobody knows our journey to get there. And then we hide it. And I think when I talked about like being your true authentic self, it's not only entrepreneurship or poverty, there's domestic violence, there's child abuse, there's a lot in my family, right? When I was able to really begin to open more about that and share with someone else, Or just with the world in general, because I do speak about that without any shame whatsoever, I became a better person. And I helped someone else rediscover themselves. And so to show up and be fake, because we're not willing to be vulnerable and say, listen, this happened to me or I'm not willing to accept this. It hinders yourself. It hinders that mindset and the reframe that you should be doing for yourself and for your own growth. My family... It's funny because they don't share like I do, and they say, "How can you talk about stuff like that?" And my response to them is, "I've healed, and I want someone else to know that anything is possible, or that you don't have to be in that situation anymore." They admire me now for it, but in the beginning, they were like, "You're crazy." <laughs> they were like, "They were not my supporters. They were not my biggest supporters." You know, it was it was a lonely journey, but I'm like, "I'm going to share it. If you don't want me to share about you, I won't. But I'm going to share my story, you know, because it it it,
0: it matters." To so all of us, right? A lot of that we talked about is our culture, right? Yeah. Is like, you know, what happens in this household stays in this household. But we've realized that our people do need to hear. And that is the connection. You can go through difficult times, but you can come out of it. You can win. You can become successful and you can bring others with you. Yeah, Elizabeth,
1: what would you say to people who are not, ready to be their authentic selves or they know they want to but it's so hard if there is a small like tweak that you could recommend someone to just get started on that journey what would it be if you're
3: going to start small write it out write it out and and read it and then when you wake up every morning look yourself in the mirror and say something really good about yourself you know, I am beautiful. I got this. I know myself, whatever that is. I used to do that very often. We get up and we like, I got this. I got, you know. And it was, so I was still trying to build up my confidence, but you know, why not mirror the person you want to be by looking at yourself every morning? One thing that we all need to understand is that we're not always going to get it right. We're always going to be scared. If you're on stage, you're going to forget something. If you own a business, you're going to make a mistake. <laughs> I, st- I still make them, <laughs> but that's okay because you don't have to compete with anyone. Not even yourself. You just have to be you.
1: Want to know how breaking the rules can help you level up your career game? Search What Rules Podcast on any social media platform and join our members only group on LinkedIn, where we discuss rule breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a production of Color Forward. The show is produced by me, Elisa Monjadas, with editing and fabulous sound design by Mathar Delion. Visit colorforward.com for more stories, events, and, of course, all the episodes of What Rules.